The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. When they came to the crowd, a man came to him, knelt before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It will come as no surprise to anyone that evil is alive and well in this world. Poverty, homelessness, Hunger, prejudice. In today's scripture passage, we saw that the disciples came face to face with evil. And they lost. Throughout history, the Christian church has wrestled with the question of evil. We've asked, why does it exist? If God is good and God is powerful, why does evil exist? We've even talked about that here at Ebenezer before, but that is not the question before us today. Our question today is not, why does evil exist? Our question today is, how do we stamp it out? How do we eradicate it? How do we, as Scripture says, cast out evil? In his book, Strength to Love, Dr. Martin Luther King says, when humanity has encountered evil in the past, we have chosen one of two predictable pathways. The first path that we choose to try and fight against evil is to pour all of ourselves and all of our efforts and all of our energy into eradicating the evil that is in front of us. And what King says and what our experience will bear out is despite those remarkable efforts on behalf of humans, evil still exists. Some might say as strong as ever. Here's a great example. I learned a number of years ago that the earth produces enough food for every human being to have four pounds of food a day. I read just last week that the capacity of the earth to produce food is such that the earth could sustain as many as 10 billion people. And yet, hunger stays with us. Here in this country, some data suggests that as many as one in five children go to bed hungry every night. Church, we've been to the moon! And yet, this evil of hunger is still with us. One of the ways that we 
try to stamp out evil is through our own efforts, and yet what's proven true is that our own efforts haven't been sufficient to conquer evil. And so King says, there's another predictable path that we take when we encounter evil. And the second predictable path we take when we encounter evil is to sit back and trust that our great God is going to ride in and save the day. God is great. And God does save us at times in our lives. But sometimes... When we choose this path, we make God so supremely powerful that it makes us impotent, makes us lack agency. Reminds me of the story that we have all heard before about the guy on his rooftop, the floods, waters are rising, a canoe comes by. Hey man, get in. The guy says, no, God will save me. A motorboat comes by. Hey man, get in. The guy says, no, God will save me. Helicopter comes by, lowers down a rope. Hey man, get in. No, God will save me. So the man drowns, gets to heaven. Says, God, why didn't you save me? God said, I sent you a canoe, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more do you want from me? But we have proven so far as a people is that we cannot defeat evil on our own. And what we have learned is that God does not invade our world and compromise our freedom in order to unilaterally eradicate evil. So King asks, what then is the answer to the perplexing question of how can evil be cast out from our individual and collective lives? If the world is not to be purified by God alone, nor by humanity alone, who will do it? And he goes on to say that there is, of course, a third option. Together. Humanity and God made one in marvelous unity of purpose in which the overflowing love of God and the perfect obedience of humanity transforms the old into new and casts out the deadly cancer of sin. There is partnership between God in the world. We see this even at work in our own Salvation, this is not something that is done by God alone. We have a hand in it. And some of you just sat up and said, wait, wait, wait. Now, of course, what I don't mean is that you and I have a hand in trying to develop our own righteousness. That's not true. I think some people believe that that's the case. We have this tendency to believe that I should try to be a pretty good person and God's going to fill in the gaps, but that's not the way it works. I am desperately and completely in need of God's grace and forgiveness But it's still a joint enterprise because though God offers me that grace, I still must accept it. How do we conquer evil? The answer is we do it together. Together with God and together with one another. And you might say, oh, that's a nice little sentiment there, Pastor, but how does that actually work? What a great question. Because if we look at our scripture today, the principle which unlocks the transformational union between God and the world. The principle that brings us together is faith. Faith is the key. It is the unifier that connects the love of God and the obedience of humanity in such a way to stand up against evil. 
That's why Jesus says to the disciples in the passage, you didn't have faith. It didn't work because you didn't have the faith connecting your agency with the power of God. And if we are, if we are to be bold enough to believe a dream, we can live in a world where evil is a thing of the past. If that is to come to fruition, my brothers and sisters, it will happen together. Together in a unity with God and with one another. And so faith is the thing that, that unlocks this union. And I hear people sometimes talk about faith by saying, I need more of it. We speak of faith in a quantitative manner. But I want to just remind us in our scripture passage today, Jesus said it's really not about how much faith we have. This is the picture of a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever actually taken time to look at how small a mustard seed is, but there it is on a human index finger. It's minuscule. It's tiny. But the love of God does not need a big opening. Just an opening. And Jesus says if we have just the smallest amount of faith, just a mustard seed's worth, he says that's enough faith to move mountains. I want to tell you a story. I shared it a couple years ago with you, but I want to call it to mind once more. This is a picture a place in Israel called the Herodium. It's called the Herodium. It's named that for the man who built it or ordered its construction, Herod the Great. As you can see, the Herodium is a, a large hill or small mountain. And what's so interesting about this is that Herod wanted his mountaintop palace to be located exactly where this is located, but at the time that he desired it, there was no mountain here. So you see, my friends, it wasn't just that Herod constructed a palace on top of a mountain. Herod moved a mountain and then constructed a palace on top of it. He ordered the people around him to literally move a mountain. A tremendous, tremendous act of civil construction. As Jesus was talking to the disciples and to those who were around him that day about faith and he talks about moving mountains. This is the image that would have come into their mind. Herod was the most powerful man they'd ever known, ever heard of, ever encountered. A man with the power to move mountains. And Jesus says if we have just a small amount of faith, just a small amount of faith out of a mustard seed, we'll be able to move mountains. That's what he says in our passage today. But if we were to, to read a similar passage in Mark, Jesus doesn't just say we can move mountains. He says we can tell the mountain, get up and move into the sea with faith. And it will happen. Faith unlocks the union between humanity and God. We can move mountains, but we will not do it alone. We must be united with God and with one another through faith. And the faith that unites us is faith in Jesus Christ. I once had a chance to hear a man named Louis Giglio speak. 
Some of you may be familiar with Louis Giglio. He's a a fairly famous Christian author and speaker. And I saw a presentation of his one time, and at the end of the presentation, he told a story. He said he'd, he'd just finished speak, a speaking engagement and he was talking with some of the folks afterwards who had been in the crowd. And this guy walks up to him and he talked for just a few moments and then the man asked him, uh, what, what are you, Louis, where are you, where are you going from here? And Gilead said, well, I'm, I'm going back to Atlanta where I'm going to preach to my, uh, my home church. My pastor's asked me to preach for the next two weeks. And the guy says, well, what are you going to preach about? And he said, well, the, the pastor's doing a series right now about the glory of God revealed in the, the human body. So the man kind of pressed and said, well, what are, what are you going to say? And Giglio was like, well, I'm not, I'm not really ready to preach it. But kind of the main idea is, and he told him the main idea of where he was going. And the guy said, okay, what's your final left hook? And Giglio said, I wasn't ready to preach the sermon yet. I don't really have a left hook. And the guy said, your left hook is laminin. And Louis Giglio was like, what? He said, your left hook is laminin. That is the way that the glory of God is revealed in the human body. And Louis Giglio stood there, as all of us would, and had the blank expression on his face. And finally, the guy who was talking to him said, listen, I happen to be a microbiologist, and you need to go home and research laminin. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. You see, laminin is a protein that acts as rebar to our human body. It's a connective protein. It holds things together. You need to go home and you need to look up laminin. So Giglio went home and he looked up laminin. And when he did, typed in laminin protein, this is what he saw. This is a drawing of a laminin protein. And Louis said, wow, that's that's kind of amazing that that thing that holds our bodies together kind of looks like a cross. So he emailed the guy who'd given his email address, and he said, that's, that's really kind of amazing. The guy said, would you like to see an electron microscope image of a real laminin protein? And Giglio said, sure. So he emailed him, and when Giglio opened the image, this is what he saw. That's a real laminin protein. That is part of the protein structure that holds our bodies together. From a physiological standpoint, that's what it looks like. And the thing thing that's so striking about this isn't just the science of it. Perhaps that was a happy coincidence. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, In Christ... All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Christ and for Christ. But then he goes on to say, He, Christ, is before all things. And in Him, Christ, all things things hold together. 
I like the laminin story because it creates an image on a physiological level of what happens in our spiritual and social world. The cross of Christ is holding us together. In him, all things are held together. If we are going to stamp out evil, we will not do it alone. We will do it together. Bound to God and one another through faith in Jesus Christ. Because he holds us together. Throughout this series, we have been looking at scripture through the lens of Dr. King. Striving to find ways to help this congregation become more reflective of the communities around us. Recognizing that there are are those in our church and those in our community who have been hurt in the past by by prejudice and by racism because of the color of their skin. And that we as God's people are called to be a place of healing and reconciliation. We've talked about some of the ways that we do that. One way is to learn from the past so that we can help build a better future. If you haven't already signed up to be part of our Lenten study, What Lies Between Us, I hope that you'll go to our bulletin page today and sign up for it. Another way that we strive towards becoming more radically inclusive, a way that we strive to bring healing to our community, is by partnering with organizations like GQ Community Services that are already doing great work. But today I want to share with you a third concept. A third dream, a third idea that came out of this racial reconciliation work group. It's something called the Did You Know campaign. The idea of the Did You Know campaign is, it would be a campaign on social media and you'll see it's a place maybe around town. But ask the question, did you know, and then it states a simple fact. Did you know race is not genetic? I didn't know that before I began the study last summer. It's, it's an interesting enough factoid to gain someone's attention. At the end, at the bottom of the did you know slide or, or, or Facebook post, there's going to be something that invites people to go to staffordhope.org. And when they go to staffordhope.org, what they will find are resources. Resources like this book, Strength to Love. We've based the series on resources like an invitation to be part of the Lenten study. It is an opportunity to try to begin working with our community together to do the work that God calls us to do. It is not either the human or the God, but together God and humanity united in love that vanquishes evil. And this love is loosed by faith. That was the problem the disciples faced. They tried to do it alone. My brothers and sisters, I feel like our world right now, everything is trying to pull us apart. Don't let it. Remember the final prayer of Jesus Christ as that free man in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for you and for me as all those who would come after the disciples. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one just as you and I are one. Jesus calls us to be together. He calls us to be one.
And when we are united with God, united with faith in Christ, united with one another in that moment, evil does not stand a chance. Monday, I took a trip with my family. We drove up to Arlington National Cemetery. And we walked around for a little while. I have a nine-year-old son and a little girl who just turned seven on Tuesday. We're walking around and we go and we see the, the eternal flame that marks the grave of John F. Kennedy and walk down a valley and up another hill and we're able to see from a bit of a distance because construction is underway, we were able to see the tomb of the unknown soldier. At the end of this, this journey where I'd talked a lot with my kids, I was walking hand in hand with my son down a hill. We were looking out across that painful and awe-inspiring vista of all those white crosses. And I said, it's a powerful view, isn't it, Brock? All these women and all these men who gave their lives for our freedom. You know what my nine-year-old said? He said, Dad, I wish they didn't have to. Why couldn't people just talk it out? Why couldn't people just talk it out? Well, I talked to Brock about the fact that there are some things that, as Jesus teaches us, some things that are worth giving our lives for, and yet we all have to admit that in the innocence of that precious child, there is great wisdom. Why couldn't we talk it out? Why couldn't we bring it together? Think of all that would have been saved. I served in uniform. I have nothing but the utmost respect for the women and men who have given their lives. Thank God, thank God. But I believe we all are united by a dream to live in a world where no one has to anymore. How do we cast out evil? My brothers and sisters, I want to thank God for the dreams of our young people and invite us to listen to them. We're calling out for a better world. Let us, in tandem with our great God, create that world. Casting out evil, becoming more reflective of the communities around us, offering hope and healing, and let us do it. Bound to God and one another through faith in Jesus Christ, let us do it. Together. Through Christ, who holds us together. Amen.